uh, the session went so well that I started going twice a month, all the way up until spring training started. But the first session, he sat me down and he had me close my eyes and just breathe. And he started talking. Saying like, do you sometimes feel this X, Y, Z? Do you feel like you need to get a hit? Man, like as you're walking up to the plate, I have to get a hit right now. You got to get a hit. And then you don't get that hit and then you're super mad at yourself. Right? And I said, yeah, that's exactly how it feels. Like, you need to stop that. And he put his hands on my shoulder. He's like, stop that. Like, this game is too hard for you to put that much pressure on yourself. Stop that right now. And I'm looking at him in his eyes and he's shaking me up. It's like, look, it's like there are a lot of things that baseball players do that make them spiral out of control. And I'm going to show you what they are and teach you how to combat them. And he taught me a variety of, of uh, tactics to you. Welcome to Spotlight by Play Cray. The kick in, here it comes. Swing and a miss! Swing and a miss! Swing and a miss! A podcast that shines some light on amazing people in the baseball world. Deja vu all over again, as uh, Yogi Berra would say. Introducing your host and the founder of Play Crate, Josh Band. Hey everybody, welcome to Spotlight by Play Crate. It is a podcast where we highlight baseball players, entrepreneurs, uh, people in the baseball community, people that we want to get to know and just sh- you know shed a little spotlight on them and learn a little bit more about them. Today we have a guest. I've literally, when I started um, Spotlight, he was the, one of the first people that came to mind. He is such an interesting guy. And uh, if you've never uh, spent an hour trying to get Skype working, it's a really good way to bond with someone before a podcast. His name is Chase Darno. Um, a lot of you have heard of him from his Journeyman series, um, but primarily his playing career. He's played um, 11 years professionally with the Pirates, the Phillies, the Braves, Boston, uh, the Padres, Giants, Texas, and the Royals. Um, and Texas is the Rangers. I'm super excited to have him on. He brings the energy. He already sang a bunch of songs that are going to get stuck in my head uh, for the rest of the night. Uh, welcome, Chase. What's up? What's happening, Josh? Thanks for having me, man. Hey, you're good at this. You're good <laughs> Dude, at this. I've been talking to you for a while. You get you get people feeling pretty good, don't you? Dude, it's 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 uh. It's it, your I, game. I will I, I will game. say like the if if any if anybody out here is thinking about taking a girl or if you're if you're a softball player taking a guy on a date, try just setting up Skype with them, and you'll get to know them so well. I think that's the best way to get to know somebody in in, in 2019 is setting up a Skype account because you just you never know what's going to happen and you're going to hear a lot of great songs along the way. <laughs> then how did, what did you get to know about me as I was fiddling with Skype getting it set up to use it for the first time in five years? Five years? I learned... I've used It's been maybe three years and it's been a while. So what did you learn? The, the, the things I learned are when you're, when you're doing tasks, you're, you're singing because that's probably really important to you. Um, you're... You're not a perfectionist, but you want things done the right way, which is one of the things that I've definitely noticed about you, and uh, I'm I'm sure that takes um, takes on its own life in your music and in your baseball career. And um, number three, I feel like you just bring the energy. You like being around people, and you're a fun person to be around. I mean, that's the, that's the num- number one thing that I, that I've noticed. It's uh, you know, me and you, I we've crossed paths so many times. We've never had the opportunity to sit down and just have a fun conversation. 
and uh and and literally right away you, i was like this is going to be such a fun podcast because right away you brought the energy we have a million things to talk about and uh we could probably chop in some of the stuff <laughs> that were recorded before the interview but um it, you're just an easy guy to talk to man and that's that, that's what i got over our our, our skype date <laughs> our skype setup date um appreciate but that. uh easy to talk to also josh thanks dude appreciate it we also we also picked out <laughs> your outfit together we picked out a flannel because i thought you looked great in it. um <laughs> so i thought a good place to start since since we're already there we're in your um we're in your garage right yeah mm-hmm. yeah so tell us tell Welcome. us a little bit about your garage and, and what you're doing there because there's a lot of stuff going on let's see I, I, this is my little, this doubles as a, a man cave and a, an office where I conduct business as well. And right now this laptop is on a futon where I have to sit, a big whiteboard behind with some bullet points and a yearly calendar. And I, I think it's important to be organized to help plan nice. ahead, right? But I also believe that you want to have things around you that make you happy. It's like that Netflix show where that woman comes in and helps people organize. Marie Kondo. Yeah, Marie Kondo. Exactly. She's so, the best. I like just having photos of, of people that I love that love me and uh, mom, dad, brother, everybody. Self in the mix, son, wife, everything and accolades, things that just make me feel good, reminds me who I am. I have my guitar equipment right here. Mm-hmm. It's a little chilly in here sometimes, so I bring my guitars in for the most part because I don't want them to warp, get affected by the temperature. This is this is my man cave. This is where it happens. It's not the, a bad backdrop, especially when it's blurred on little, little <laughs> digital depth of field, which works really well with Skype. But you can't see the bougie water. As yeah. You're doing it. <laughs> Dude, I, I love talk that. So my garage and my space, but I'd lo- I want to make sure that you that we cover whatever you want to talk about today. And of course, this is casual. I know we're hanging out, and done a, you're you're good at this. You know? I feel like this is very casual. <laughs> So I mean, this is this is just a conversation because you you have more element. You have so many more elements to you than than just being a baseball player. I know that's just part of what you do. Um, it's just part of your identity, and I love talking to people who are uh, multidisciplinary. Right? They're really good at more than one thing because usually when I when I talk to people like that, I see that they have kind of underlying principles that allows them to do that. Right. Um, and I'd like to talk about that. So, I mean, I figured, you know, we, we talked about your man cave. We're going to kind of come full circle. Uh, but let's talk about a little bit just about your beginning. You know, where did you grow up? Um, I know you used to play a bunch of instruments, right? Didn't you, you play the violin? Um, now you play guitar. But, you know, what was where did you grow up? What was it like for you, um, you know, growing up, getting into sports, getting into music? So I, was, I was thinking about what you had just said a moment ago, the underlying principles and all that. I'll, I'll get to what you wanted to talk about a moment ago, but I think that yeah. it's a lot like that too. And I work with a guy named Craig Wallenbrock out in Valencia. Mm-hmm. Craig Wallenbrock is a hitting consultant with the Dodgers, but people fly in from all over the country, J.D. Martinez, Brad, that's his work with them. And he, he works with guys and the way he, the way that he explains the swing, uh, the way that it, when it comes out of his mouth, like to be a good hitting coach, you have to be able to explain and articulate articulate the same message four different ways mm-hmm. to, to penetrate for somebody to really understand what they're trying to do because you're trying to describe what a person is supposed to feel as opposed to what it looks like it's kind of you could copy 
anything and, and make your body look a certain way. But if your muscles aren't activated properly, you're not going to get the right result. Mm -hmm. Craig, one thing he talks about all the time are the principles of hitting. Now, the principles of, of hitting, there are commonalities that all the great hitters have. They all share different stylistic things, different stances, different ways to get to that position, but all of them get to this optimal position, right? When the left heel hits the ground, if you're right, if you're left, you mm -hmm. right heel. Gotcha. Talked about that all the time, how young players will try a lot of different things and forget the, the commonalities that, that, that makes all these great hitters so great. It's, it, as long as you stay within, within the confines of those, those principles, you should be fine. Sorry, it just I went on a tangent, but no. you want to know where I came from? I grew up no, in Long Beach, California. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna come right back to that. Give us like a quick background, and I want to come right back to that because that's that's a really cool place to start as well. And um, so you grew up in Long Beach, California. I mean, I mean, you were you were into music pretty early. You were into baseball pretty early. What kind of sparked your interest in in both of those? Was it a family thing? Was it something you just kind of took to? Um, tell us like quickly about that, and we'll we'll circle back. I grew up in Long Beach, California. I was born in 87. I'm 32 now. Uh, family, my family is the reason that I got into music and arts mm -hmm. in general, my, especially. Uh, my dad played the trumpet, would sing. He knows how to play the piano. My mom plays the piano. She sings. She would force my brother and me to sing opera in the car. Trav <laughs> would have the girl part. I would have the guy part because he could yeah. hit that high note that the woman hits in Phantom of the Opera. Yeah, gotcha. somebody think Phantom of the Opera, they know what note I'm talking about. And Travis <laughs> would kill it. Nail it. Little pre-pubescent pre Travis would just hit that note. His head was the same size. Just his body was a little smaller. Uh, my mom is it was very musical. She would hold opera recitals. So she was a stickler for us. And you and I were talking about these underlying principles that, mm -hmm. that make people tick and, and make them operate the way they do in different facets of life. And uh, discipline's important. And in order to do well in music, you have to understand that proper practice will make you sound good just like proper practice of a swing is going to make your swing better and your timing mm -hmm. it's so practice is great you want to put the time in but you have to make sure that you're practicing the right way mm -hmm. uh, you do something you might as well do it right yeah yeah so how i mean I, I i love the background because i know i know music's such a big part of your life and i think i think there's so much crossover the same thing that you just said um you know this discipline is very important um you know, who who taught you discipline, right? Your, your mother, it sounds like she was disciplined. And, and discipline doesn't mean um, like you're overly structured. Discipline just means you you do things consistently even when it's tough to do it, you know what I mean? And that generally is to sit, you know, some type of success. But, you know, who taught you discipline and, and what, did, what does discipline even look like to you, right? Because discipline could mean a host of things for a number of different people. But, you know, for you and talking about like early chase, right? Because it sounds like you really caught on to this early on. You you did well in music. You did well in baseball. You probably did well in school and a lot of other things. Um, you know what? You know where did that discipline come from? Um, and 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 how did you practice that? It's a it's a good question. It's a really good question. Uh, my my parents, my parents were uh, they were strict. They were hard on me. Did I like it at times? No. But in the mm -hmm. end, it ended up being right. And one time on a progress report and middle school I brought home a C like six weeks pro six week six week progress report. Everything else was an A, but I saw this one glaring C in science. Yeah. So oh my God, I don't want I don't want to show this to my mom. <laughs> I was terrified. And it's my mom. I was crying. She's a teacher. She's a teacher. Yeah. She had ultra high standards for us. I mean she had us doing uh, uh, 
what what is the name of the uh, the motivational speaker? The very very popular one that was in Shallow Hal. Tony Robbins. With Black Tony Robbins. That's right, Tony Robbins. How could I forget Tony Robbins' name? He was he was a big influence, even though I never met him. My yeah. mom had my brother and I at the top of the staircase, filling out his workbooks and listening to the tapes so at the same cool. time. Yeah. Yeah. And Dude, so that, when, that's really cool. That's really, really interesting too, but go ahead. Yeah, that, that, uh, I didn't realize how important that was going to be, but at that time we discovered triggers. Um, mm -hmm. Are you familiar with triggers? Like a physical trigger. Like my mom had us in, in pony after getting hits, like tugging on our ear, biting our okay. lip. And after you do that enough times after a good result. So after I get a single or a double and you do the same physical gesture every time, uh, during times of stress, like times like a big moment type thing, or if I'm on deck and I just want to feel sexy, yeah. I just do that thing. Really? And then physical response. Yeah, Tony's really, Tony, like, Tony, we just had lunch the other day. Tony's really big on physical <laughs> <my> responses, <laughs> old showers, waking up, and if you're feeling down, all you have to do is take some really quick, deep breaths, like, <laughs> and it changes your physiological state. Yeah, so he, just, he, he is a big proponent of change your physiology, change your psychology type of person. Um, if you're feeling down, do something that you wouldn't normally do while you're feeling down. And you learned that super early, huh? So you were filling out these workbooks that your mom made you do. And I mean, did that take really early? Were you always kind of tugging on your ears and trying to to get that kind of positive feedback loop when you were getting hits so you could like call on that any time? Um, you know, was that super early or was that kind of like high school, college? And, and then you started to say, oh, this is actually something I can I can use. I would apply the things the best I could at the time. Yeah. It's hard for me to be able to just throw myself back into my 12-year-old body. <laughs> but I like to think that certain things caught because I remember positivity being one aspect of being in control. You know, people have more control of their emotions and their feelings and their perception than they think. Mm -hmm. So I didn't spend much time blaming others uh, for things that happened to go wrong with me in my mm -hmm. life. So taking accountability was one of the big things that I got from Tony Robbins. That having the right outlook. And I can't just attribute. He doesn't get all of the, the, the credit. For yeah. That. yeah. My parents, my mom and dad, I got to see my dad speak. I love my dad's uh, social uh, habits. And the way that he goes about a conversation is very sensitive, graceful, and forthright at the same time. Mm -hmm. He just chooses words carefully. And I think that's important when you're directing. And directing right now is a huge passion of mine. I have my hand in a few different baseball projects currently, gearing mm -hmm. up for the 2020 season. And I'm finding that these communicative skills is, are they're important to connect with people. Yeah. Right? Yeah, you, absolutely. Right? I mean, communicate. You have to be able to explain things well and make sure that we're on the same page. Yeah, well, you know, communication, communication is everything, right? And, and you, you said it from the beginning of this podcast. Um, you know, if you're, if you're a coach, you need to explain maybe the same thing five different times to five different people, five different ways, because we all take that differently. It's really hard to um, internalize, um, you know, a, a feel of something in your swing or in music um, and actually internalize that and learn it other than just putting yourself in that, in that position. And that's a really tough thing to do. And the better communicator you are, um, the more you can help people, right? And that's, you know, I feel like you're, you're not just driven by, uh, 
you know, yourself at all. I don't get that vibe from you for one second. I know that you have, you know, you're doing things for your family and, you know, to help other people. And that, that really comes across in your journeyman series, you know what I mean? And, um, and I, I want to dig into journeyman because I mean, it seems like such a selfless thing that you're doing. And I personally being 29 years old and I'm out of the game of baseball, I, and I like thoroughly enjoy watching those videos because it's, uh, it's a perspective that I've never got to see before. And I think it's an important perspective for kids to learn. They only see major leaguers on TV um, celebrating or, or highlights. They don't get to see the work. They don't get to see the everyday conversations. And that's kind of like the granular thing that really, really matters. And that's the part that people are missing too. And I think to tie it back around, like that you're communicating an important message for people. Um, but before we go into Journeyman, Blurred, Blur on. <laughs> Don't talk about it. Be about it. That's what you said pre-interview. Um, you know, you had you had this um, uh, part of the Journeyman series. You said in 2013 you changed your attitude and um, you became a better teammate and you had more fun with the game. Um, can you can you take us through that? Like, what what was the catalyst for that? Like, why why did you say I have to completely change my attitude? And and then how did you change it? And then what was what was the result of that? That's a good question. You've done your homework. You've been you watched it. <laughs> I don't even I loved what it. I, yeah. Yeah, it was a big project, man. That was a big commitment. It was we have finished twelve episodes, all of five to ten minutes long. What what uh what episode was that in? Do you remember? I can I can look it up real quick. But it was yeah, you're with the Rangers. I was with the Rangers at the time. You were with yeah. the Rangers. See, the thing I about saw... the you really had, I had to be, I mean, I'm, I'm a genuine person. I like to think that I am at least. And so mm -hmm. when uh, we would talk about things, I would just, I didn't have anything very prepared. It was just, just talk to yourself. Episode seven. But to, to answer your question, I mean, we could just cut this stuff out and even asking the question aside, but it was episode what? Episode seven. Episode seven, yeah. One step away well, from the big leagues. Ah, okay, yeah. I remember how that one begins. That one, does that one start with me like watching a game? Uh, it it starts in the cage, dramatic. and then that's and then great. it's you watching a game. Yeah, yeah. That's a pretty dramatic one. Like we we had to be really delicate with the series and what we put out because mm -hmm. we represent baseball and baseball is a very conservative sport in comparison. To Right now, wouldn't you agree? Yeah. Uh, I would one hundred percent agree. Being out like that, being yeah. a player, something out like that was fairly avant-garde. I don't yeah. think anybody ever done that before in in baseball with that that highly produced. Uh, but to answer your question, to answer your question, uh, in two thousand thirteen, I had the worst season I ever had. I was on the forty man mm -hmm. still in two thousand eleven when I made my debut. Uh, sorry, from two thousand eleven. Through 2013, I was up and down in the big leagues. And in 2013, I didn't spend much time in the majors at all. In fact, I, I don't think I spent any time in the big leagues in 2013. I started the year off with an injury. Then as soon as I got healthy, uh, I was put back in AAA. You know, rightfully so. I, just, I, I could see where that made sense for the team at the time. And I may have put too much pressure on myself. Mm -hmm. At the time, I didn't realize it, though. I think that until you've you've studied the mental game and until you've dealt with some adversity and, and your back's been up against the wall, you don't really know how to respond mm -hmm. what things like within yourself to get you to stop spinning out of control and 
that season I spun out of control. I didn't know how badly I did, but I could just tell that something needed to change. So I, uh, I consulted with Ken Revisa. Ken Revisa is one of the most feared psychologists in the baseball. And he came to my high school once before and did a great job explaining something. And I know that he'd worked with guys like Evan Longoria, Kurt Suzuki, the Anaheim Angels. Like he was in charge of their whole mental skills team. Yeah. With all these teams. So I just figured it's a no brainer. Call this guy. He lives 45 minutes from me. So I called him and I told him that uh, I needed help. Ken, I'm coming off of one of the worst seasons ever. And, and I just think that there are ways that I can improve in between the ears. Um, I know I'm really athletic. I'm springy. I'm one of the fastest players in my team every year. I'm explosive. Like, I just think that there's inconsistency because of what's going on between my ears. And he said, you know, that's a great place to start. Like, come over to my place next week. So I went over to his place. And uh, the session went so well that I started going twice a month, all the way up until spring training started. But the first session, he sat me down, and he had me close my eyes and just breathe. And he started talking. saying, like, do you sometimes feel this, X, Y, Z? Do you feel like you need to get a hit? Man, like, as you're walking up to the plate, I have to get a hit right now. You got to get a hit. And then you don't get that hit, and then you're super mad at yourself, right? Mm -hmm. And I said, yeah, that's exactly how it feels like. You need to stop that. And he put his hands on my shoulder. He's like, stop that. Like, this game is too hard for you to put that much pressure on yourself. Stop that right now. And I'm looking at him in his eyes, and he's kind of shaking me up. It's like, look, it's like there are a lot of things that baseball players do that make them spiral out of control. And I'm going to show you what they are and teach you how to combat them. And he taught me a variety of, of uh, tactics to use. One of them, for instance, most people like when I talk to kids, like, you know, there's some people that I speak to every once in a while to help them through their journey of baseball, right? Some of yeah. them are high school pros. When they explain to me a certain feeling that they have that creeps up their back, like any any self-doubt, mm -hmm. Ken taught me to look at my hands and rub on my calluses because all of us ball players have calluses. And when you rub on those calluses, it reminds you of all the hard work that you put in. You know, in those moments, you forget. Get a little bit, then when you think about, hey, you know what? I've put in all this time. Why am I doubting myself? Just go and hit. And so you just, it makes you feel good right in the moment. And it's a good little thing to get you back on track mentally. I love that. Like, I have never heard someone kind of contextualize it like that. Because as you were saying that, I mean, you can't even see on the camera. Like, I was feeling my calluses. I got goosebumps when you said it because I'm like, the only way to get a callus is is by just busting your butt for like a long long time it's like one, probably the one thing that you know every baseball player is super proud of i love that and i've never heard that before um did you use that right away i did that spring training i mean i went through yeah. a lot that next week. i felt amazing coming out can can help me find my confidence okay. uh, i went in uh, not as secure as i thought and and that's something that could really uh, serve as a crutch player uh, confidence is key anybody will tell you that mm -hmm. but i went in spring training in two weeks so it's 2014 now two weeks uh into spring training i got called into the office and they put me on waivers and i don't know if you know uh or if the people that are listening know what that is but basically they took me off the 40 man it's like it's like getting demoted a little bit within an organization you're losing a spot where the path to the big leagues is right there 
and you're going back to being only in the minor leagues without having this this door for them to call yeah. you up. Uh, it just makes it a little bit harder to get called up when you're not on the 40-man. Yeah. And the process is weird because it involves you not showing up to the field. So you're just, you're at home and you know that you're on, on waivers and you're just like, what's going to happen? Another team could pick me up or another team could not pick me up. And then if they don't pick me up, I'm going to be in AAA to start the year most likely. I'm going to have to claw my way back. Races and pirates. Yeah. But if I had not seen Ken, that would have been a really, really tough time for me. And mm -hmm. I think I would have... But because of the work that I put in with him, I uh, stayed positive and just recognized that I can control what I can control. You hear it all the time. It's a cliche, control, you can control. But you have to identify and be good at identifying what is and what is not out of your control. Mm -hmm. And what you can control is, is your outlook. And I just took accountability right away. It's so easy to feel sorry for yourself in this game, in, in life in general. And that's a uh, that's a theme that I like to hit in my video works that I the stuff that I edit or do. You can't feel sorry for yourself because you're you're doing nothing for yourself. Yeah. <laughs> you're just you're in this 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 oh uh, state. I don't know. It just makes me sick thinking about it because mm -hmm. I know how much it'll person back. So I'm always really proud of people when they say, you know what. I put myself in this position. I got myself here. I got myself taken off of the 40 man. Like they didn't do that to me. Like I did that to myself by mm -hmm. not going to see Ken earlier and making sure that I was mentally prepared to do this stuff. Like either you could be the most athletic person in the world in baseball, but if you don't know how to deal with failure, you're not going to do well because it's a game that's based on failure. You have to be able to handle the failure to get the success. And yeah. Uh, to continue the story, three days later, I cleared waivers. Nobody picked me up, so I was back with the Pirates and went back to spring training, but not on the 40-man roster. And then once I got back, they told me, hey, there's no room in the infield for you this year. Mm -hmm. Like I know that you were drafted as a shortstop a few years ago for us. We've used you in the big leagues at short, third, second, but uh, we have to give other guys opportunities. So you're going to be playing the outfield this year, and uh, your play time is going to go down. You're probably going to play two to three games a week. Mm -hmm. So, wow, what a shock. What a shock. It throws you off. It's, it's yeah. just different. Struggle. And having to cope with those things, it's, it's a weird process, and a lot of people were checking in on me. But I don't yeah. think that they know that uh, I'd, I'd worked with Ken, and they, don't, they didn't know how well I was really taking it. In fact, I could tell that they were all kind of shocked that I wasn't spinning, that mm -hmm. I was just real steady pace. Uh, I uh, broke camp with the AAA team, went to Indianapolis, and was uh, the filler role in AAA. I was playing sparingly uh, in the outfield, left and right field sometimes. We had a really talented team. The team was really good. And again, I'm not blaming anybody. I put myself in a situation. And so because I put myself in a situation, I had to find the right mindset to succeed. And if I'm feeling sorry for myself in a situation, I'm not going to do well. So I went well, I, I went to great lengths to, to get my mind on track and be confident every day. Like I took post-its and put them up on my door sill before leaving the apartment that says stuff like, I'm a beast. I dominate. Like just things to really fill you up. Yeah, yeah. Like, you're, like Today is your day. Make today great. 
those kind of things. It's the law of attraction, basically. I just figured mm -hmm. I'm, I'm going to do everything I can to stay as positive and hungry and beastly as I can because mm -hmm. I, knew, I knew I still had it. I knew I still had it. And then uh, time kept going on, and I was struggling at first. I was sitting low 200s first couple weeks. But then uh, I, I started finding my stride and, and playing better, and everybody was pulling for me. You know, that helped. Having the support of my teammates and my coach. Dean Trainer was my coach at the time. He's uh, now a pitching coach with the Florida Marlins. Matt Haig was a really close buddy of mine. Matt Haig mm -hmm. is a minor league legend in my eyes. Just what he was able to do with 600 at-bats in a season, hit 350 in the International League is, is, is hard. But he did, he did that season after season. He was uh, always pulling he, would, he was the one person who was talking to me. I had, I had somebody on the team that cared enough about me to, 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 to make sure that I was all right every once in a while. And I, I talked to other guys, too, but he seemed to really put a lot of effort in and be like, hey, man, go you get up there, swing, just be ready, go hack it. You know, don't go up there and be selective because you're only playing once every two to three days, so you have to make sure that you're sharp when you're ready to attack. So. Um, one at bats all it took, and I hit a doubled left center first pitch fastball as I went into pinch hit because we're a National League. I was still mm -hmm. getting used as a pinch hitter, which is one of the hardest things to do in baseball. Yeah, people that don't tell you pinch hitting is it's not easy. But <laughs> I'm telling you, I think that the the headspace that can help me find in the process, I mean, it goes deep. Like I, I had a whole process that started before I even put my batting gloves on mentally and physically, and. Uh, thoughts of gratitude, just being thankful to have the opportunity to be there. Even though I was playing two or three games a week, I was grateful for the opportunity that I had. If you're feeling sorry for yourself, you're going to lose sight. And then all of a sudden you're resenting the game, resenting yourself, and then you get down on yourself and your self-esteem just goes. But if you're grateful for the opportunity that you still have in front of you, it's going to change your outlook in more ways than you could imagine. And so I went up there with that kind of energy, doing pretty well. And then our center fielder, uh, got a chance to play in the big leagues with another team so he left and I was doing well enough to where the coach said you know, you've been doing well in the outfield you get out there you're quick you run balls down we're gonna put you in center just to start and see where things go you're gonna be starting again so I became a starter again halfway through the season yeah and I raked <laughs> hitting, hitting hitting I just kept doing uh, what I what I focused on with Ken mentally uh, and was just very grateful for all the at-bats that I was getting all of a sudden. Because I went from getting eight at-bats a week to really 35, 40. It's, it was great. It was nice mm -hmm. getting everyday playing time because then you're, you get your rhythm back and you start to play every day. I mean, it's, it's hard when you're not playing consistently. Yeah. So I ended up working, to make long story short, I ended up uh, getting called up that year. Again, as an outfielder for the Pirates in 2014, and that, to me, uh, was, was huge for me because it proved to myself that with my back up against the wall, needing to make adjustments, that I was able to, uh, I was able to, be humble enough, just like, I'm, I'm out of control right now, like, I need help. Mm -hmm. I need, we all need help. It, it takes a village, really. And I, people that say, I did this all myself, are kind of ungrateful. Yes, yeah, yeah I, I it, that perspective to me blows my mind, but I, there are people out there that don't have people that care about them, and they get kind of lost and, and wander. And I, I have sympathy towards them too, compassion. But uh, I was just thankful to get the opportunity to get called back up, and then my my career from there seemed to go upwards for a few years. 
all the way through 2018, I would say. I just got better and better and better, and I kept getting called up every single year. And then every year since 14, I'd, I'd spent up in the big leagues. At some point in time, I was up, up. Being like this, Ken really helped me even my emotions. He mm-hmm. helped me process mentally to keep me on track. So that's what I was alluding to in that episode that you'd referenced of Journeyman. Yeah, no, I mean, <laughs> should I, I, I want to clap right now because that was, that was phenomenal. And there was, there was so many parts of that I want to break down if you want to do that, because sure. you know, I feel like, you know, when number one, um, you know, taking accountability for yourself, you mentioned that as a huge part, right? Um, I feel like that's the first step because the first thing you do, you were, you were in this flywheel, right? Going backwards. You were getting, uh, you were getting out, so you were putting your pressure on yourself, and you were putting pressure on yourself, so you were getting out. You were kind of in this reverse flywheel, I guess. And you know, you had the wherewithal to say, you know, how can I put the brakes on this reverse flywheel before I spin out of control? And you said spin. Um, so you know, you said I, you know, this is my fault, and I, I think that's that's really important for anybody that's playing baseball and for anybody. I mean, we're going to get into music too. Any part of your career is really important. Just saying, you know, this is on me. And then you have, uh, it, it gives you freedom. You know what I mean? If, ever, if, if you're putting everything on you, um, you can say like when you were on waivers, um, you can tell yourself, you know, th- what's in control is me. The one thing I can do to help myself right now is go see Ken. And you did that. And I feel like that was the catalyst that kind of broke that flywheel and turned it in the other direction. Um, the second thing I got out of that was, um, was your attitude, right? So, um, you know, you started feeling more confident, you started giving yourself those physical reminders, actually, um, or even those mental like kicks, like Tony trying to kickstart your physiology, telling yourself, rubbing your calluses. Um, but I think the important part to pull about that is, is you didn't just get support from your teammates arbitrarily, right? You got support from your teammates because you were a good teammate, right? If you were in that negative flywheel and you were, you were pissing and moaning and kicking dirt and, and you know, that, that comes off as selfish as well, but you, you weren't in that anymore. You were about the team. You were about helping. You were about getting better. You were about being positive. You were being gracious and having gratitude. And I think that's why you had so much support, right? Because uh, you were a good dude and a good teammate. And people want to help you because they respect you and they, and they want to see that. So, um, you know, I, you know, trying to dissect these different parts of it. I mean, was there one teammate that, that just really helped you um, kind of get over the hump? Because I'm sure you played with guys that have just been you know born with success they didn't go through a ton of stuff and then you had other people who were who were journeymen right they had a really tough road they had ups and downs they dealt with this before did you have one teammate that really said hey you know this is how you should be thinking right now or this is what you can do to get better or or, you know let me take you out to dinner or or was there someone like that who was not necessarily like a mentor but but someone that kind of took you under their wing and just kind of walked you through it that kind of stuff happened can you hear me yeah okay that kind of stuff happened when I first got called up. Um, I really liked hanging with Clint Barmas when he joined the Pirates. Yeah. It was really funny. And Barmas is one of the funnier teammates I've had. And <laughs> really conservative and humble. But the guy's a side to him that is hilarious that I don't think uh, the public gets to see very much. But <laughs> it's what happens in baseball. It's it's very conservative sport. And people mm-hmm. feel like they need to conduct themselves properly and Oh, with media, like, hey, I'm Ron James, and uh, <laughs> it hit a double today. It's boring. <laughs> you don't want something to be used against you. A lot of 
TV sometimes is propaganda against yeah. players. Like some, sometimes as players, when you're watching ESPN and MLB, it's like, man, I can't, are you even trying to make us look good? Like what's mm-hmm. what's happening right there right now? I mean, obviously ratings are important. I get that. Sometimes you got to focus on other people's blunders, but uh, it could be a sharp sword. Sometimes yeah. a player when you hear them bash you on TV, I've experienced that too. It's it's it's. Do you think do you think baseball players need to be conservative? Because I, I I see the trend as as, as no, going no, forward with, with think, things like journeyman, hey, yeah. Sorry, I, I cut you off a little bit. It's no, you're good. Passionate about. It. I just think that the way the whole world is going right now, it's got to be authentic, right? And, and and baseball seems to be a little conservative to me. They could use something a little avant-garde, something new, something something fresh, something new in media. And that that's uh, my involvement in media is is for that. I, mean, I, I really do want to transcend baseball into something that is more popular among. Not only sports, but just the world. Like not everybody's into baseball. It's one of the smaller markets in the sports industry, and I only know this. I I, I didn't know this until I'd done some research and made some friends in the production world. But a lot of really talented videographers, you know, production companies tend to gravitate gravitate towards football and basketball because there's more money in it. Yeah. Oh, so I smell blood in the water. And I feel like I have an opportunity to blend the two because mm-hmm. I love media. I love, I love having a camera in my hand. I like documenting things. And I, I also like making people feel comfortable around me. So naturally, directing baseball players is something I'd like to do for the next few years mm-hmm. um, until I move on to something else. But I, I, I really do want to create videos that players and fans and everybody will jive with intimate. I like intimacy, I like personal stuff, and the only way that you can do that is by being yourself and being authentic. And if you're around somebody that you feel like you can't be yourself around, it is not going to come out right. So as I sift through clubhouses and buses and workout facilities, proactive and live athletics and all these different places, the players are cool with me as I come in with my camera and I just do my thing because I know how to stay out of the way, and I Mm -hmm. think they... The fact that I've shared a field with them. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Been there. They know yeah. that I know the struggle. So I think that they truly trust me to capture content. And with this content, uh, I think it's valuable. Valuable. And not from a from, not from a monetary standpoint. I think it's valuable in the sense that it's it's gonna shake things up a little bit. It'll just be different and fresh because I edit it myself too. I'm hoping that my personality is all over it and that fans will enjoy the content that I provide. There's really no telling, but I just know in my gut that uh, there's something happening and, and I'm following it and I think it's going to turn out really well. Yeah. I mean, you're off to like a fantastic start, but I mean, let's, let's dig into you, uh, you know, more of your, uh, more of your directing, more of your videography. Um, you know, why, you know, why'd you start doing, doing video, right? You're, you're a major league baseball player. Um, you know, you're, you're, you're doing great. I mean, did you just pick up a camera and say, this is really fun or, or did something capture you, um, where you could create, you know, an emotional experience with someone else? Or did you feel, um, the need to pass information along? You know, what was, what, why'd you start, why'd you hold the video camera? Why'd you start recording? 
because uh, of the the band that I when I when I did the the musical venture right here, that's like a band sticker from 2016. That's so blurry, no one can see it. <laughs> oh, blurred out, creamy, real creamy. <laughs> I was in a band in 2016 while I was playing with the Braves in Atlanta, which is a sentence that you probably don't hear many people say. But well, the whole band lived together, and we had a videographer with us. That, that we all we all lived together in the same house. Somebody would make breakfast. It was a nice family. We'd all hang out. Our producer even lived with us. So our videographer, uh, his name was Patrick. Patrick Dennis. He lives in the LA area. But I got really close to him, and I would sit next to him while he would edit videos using all the content that he'd capture around us because he'd have to make music videos, you know, kind of backstage videos, like behind the scenes kind of a vibe. Yeah. So as I sit next to Patrick, I just looked at it like, man, this is hard to see. Very, very, a lot of thought has to go into a piece and there's, it takes a long time. So it helped me learn to respect video editors. It, it takes a lot, but also really guide someone's thoughts and help somebody to, uh, to, to guide someone's thoughts and, and hit them in the gut with this message uninterruptedly. Like if I just press play and you were going to sit down and watch something that was a half an hour long, you just have to digest it. You can't mm -hmm. talk to me. You can't interrupt me. Like this is what it is and I got something to say and you're going to understand it towards the end. I like Love that it. aspect. I get to use audio, dialogue, visuals there yeah. there's so many different senses that 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 humans are capable of of, of uh of feeling that you can use everything but touch and maybe What's, i could be uh, there teleport next to somebody as they watch it and i'll massage their shoulders <laughs> yeah or, or something important happens you just start poking them hey listen uh, <laughs> uh dude that's great i mean to kind of piggyback on that what's what's the message you're trying to get across and you know for at least for the project you're doing now, right? You're you're trying to get a message across. What's that message? It's uh, it's it's just the reality of things. I just want people to feel like they got they know what's really going on with the players. Yeah. Because so many players are putting stuff out. Like people, people have an idea of what the players go through, but do they really know and and see it? Like how much access have players really granted? baseball into their lives yeah well it's kind it doesn't of like seem like that it. yeah well i mean it's kind of like that high it's kind of like a hindsight bias thing is uh you know the the best or the most popular content isn't the best content right the most popular content is just something that appeals to us on a very like quick level especially on instagram especially on youtube surface surface yeah, it's very, very surface level. It's very easy to digest. And I think you're coming at something where it's important to digest, which is very, very different, very, very important. Um, you know, why, you know, why do you think that getting this message across is important? I mean, is this for the players? Is this for the fans? Is this for, you know, the baseball nerds we were talking about um, that me and you were growing up? I mean, who, why is, why why is getting this message across so important to you? It's, it's not. It's for everybody. It's for everybody. It's for, those, it's for the kids that are eight years old that worship Mike Trout and want to know what Mike Trout's really like. You know, like if, if, if I had my camera and I was with Mike for a day, the stuff that I would capture would be nothing like what you've ever seen. I'm that confident in it because the players are going to open up 
And I'm not going to put anything out there that makes a player look bad. Yeah. They feel like they could trust me. Sometimes people say some off-color things. But I, I, not off-color is the wrong word to use. Just uh, some things that sometimes sometimes people cuss. Sometimes people say things like, oh, you don't want to put that out there. That would be bad for your image. But mm. through those things, I notice it, but I comb through all the footage diligently. Yeah. It's very important to me to never lose a trust of the players. Yeah, I don't ever want to put something out that a player dislikes or makes them look bad in any sense because it's bad for baseball, it's bad for the player, and it's bad for me. Yeah, like trust, trust is huge when it comes to doing this kind of stuff. And you, you talked about what message I want to get across. There are a lot of uh, messages in baseball. There are a lot of life lessons to be learned in the game that uh, that that. that uh, so I'm losing my train of thought a little bit. But I'm, I'm, I'm thinking back. My mind right now is going to a year ago when I sat down with uh, my editors and, and we were, I told them my, this idea that I had. And, and I just wanted everything to be good for kids at the very least. But I want to mm -hmm. capture the adult audience too. I don't, I don't like being stuck. Just that. I want to do things that appeal to adults. So it's appropriate. I wanted the Journeyman series to be something that kids could watch and with their families. Mm -hmm. As long as parents feel comfortable watching and their kids are into it, then great. But it just shows an in-depth view of what baseball is like. And we're going over themes like family, discipline, reality versus perception, believing in yourself, confidence, how to deal with failure, success, teammates, what baseball is all about from the inside. You know, some people are doing like the Dodgers have this thing called backstage that I think was done well. And next year, I think I'm going to find myself in a position where I'll be doing something similar with a team. I mean, I'm really hoping that it's with the Angels. Yeah. Because they're not far from me. The Dodgers already have people. If they want to me to help out with that, I'm, I'm happy to do it. Because once they see the journeyman, I think that they'll be pleasantly pleased. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I I was watching it all today, just kind of looking, <laughs> preparing for the interview, and I I still kind of geek out on it because. You know, there's so much variety in baseball. There's so many. Um, <laughs> there's there's so many good personalities, and there's so many people that approach things a different way, right? So you you know you had these really tough you know tough times. You went on waivers. You you found Ken. You became accountable. You found support from your teammates. You had this great attitude. That was kind of your you know your journey. That's you know one aspect. You know me me sitting here done with baseball interviewing you for a podcast, I'm still getting a lot of, I'm still learning a lot from that. And that's just you and your baseball journey. So, you know, I think it's like, you know, what we talked about at the very beginning of the episode, it's multidisciplinary. If, you know, I think what you're showing people with baseball can help people that want to be good at anything, music, um, you know, school, if they want to play, you know, not just sports, but anything, it's kind of the, you know, the path to greatness is kind of the same across you know multiple disciplines the same same in music i'm sure you you know you you might get in ruts or you might lose your confidence or something and and you need that support from your band but um but yeah i mean i think what you're doing is super important i i literally can't wait till more journeyman series come out i mean i would i would love to fly out there and just hang out um and record some podcasts with you um and, and honestly just chill um but you know, is there anything coming up on the forefront for Journeyman? Do you have other projects going on, or is it? Is, are you mainly focused on Journeyman and, and releasing more more episodes? I'm uh, I'm thinking about releasing some stuff soon. I'm just creating a war chest of content. Uh, 
I love that term, war chest. People around <laughs> me know. I mean, I have eight terabytes of content that I've been gathering since 2016. Mm -hmm. uh, it all started with the band. And then I kind of realized the importance of content and documenting. So I started grabbing stuff uh, periodically, just throughout my travels. Every league, like if I need a shot, if I need a shot of Indianapolis or Columbus or of any minor league stadium that I could think of, I have a shot where I can just pull it up into my files and boom, put it right there and interview somebody. Like I, I just have so many things I could refer to if I need it yeah. in the editing process. But right now, in the present, in the present right now, I'm going to live athletics, popping mm -hmm. in. I don't live very far from it. And I walk in there, and the guys and the, the owner of the place, they, they let me walk in there with my camera and ask them questions and mic them up. Sometimes I'll set this microphone down in between everybody as they're talking. You're getting a, a, a really cool perspective of baseball. I mean, when you mm -hmm. have a player that is shooting everything, so that's trusted by the, the talent, the subjects. I mean, right now we're talking about Jack Flaherty, Chris Archer, Kevin Pillar, Ryan Healy's in there sometimes. Um, and, and uh, Tyler Heineman and, and Tyler Saladino, like all these all these amazing baseball players live out in the area. Like Cole, like, there are so many great guys that it's just, it would be a shame for me not to capture this stuff because it's helpful. It's really helpful. When I, all I have to do is walk in there and the guy's like, yeah, sure, you can come in with your camera, Chase. Mm -hmm. And I, I walk in there and I can record a whole session of Jack Flaherty with his pitching coach. So it's valuable. Kids would love that. They'd benefit from that. I've also interviewed agents. I've interviewed my own baseball agent just to mm -hmm. get his perspective. I have content of him talking about things. Um, I have content with Craig Wallenbrock. I have content with various major league baseball players, minor league baseball players, different living situations. I've interviewed moms, parents. Like I know what it's like being a parent in baseball. Yeah, yeah. A parent in baseball, it's kind of stressful for some people. Like, it's <laughs> kind of intense. And I have a two-year-old and a one-year. I have a two-year-old and a three-month-old, and I think about the future and it's like, oh, this will be interesting. It's going to be fun. But I, I just, people are prioritizing baseball over school now. Yeah. I my mean, it's. Teacher, my mother in law is a teacher and they say all the time, the parents are like, hey, I'm sorry that Johnny couldn't get his homework done the other day. He had a game, he had practice, like practice yeah. taking place over academics. My mom would smack me. <laughs> well, let's, let's. Burrito. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Um, that's, that, that's an interesting place, right? You're, you're, you're a dad, right? You have kids, you have two kids, right? Um, you know, what, how are you, how are you going to raise them knowing what you know now through the experiences that you've been through with baseball, um, in music and directing, um, you know, because you've, you've, you've had tough times, you've had good times, you've had tough times and, um, you know, you've kind of had these failures that have shaped, uh, you know, the way that you look back on that. And of course you would do things differently. Everybody would, but you know, what are you going to pass on to your, to your kids? Um, you know, not as, not as just being a human, but, um, you know, with school, with discipline, with these, um, you know, with these values that your parents gave you, but you know, what are you going to pass on and what are you going to do differently than that, that, uh, different than you did? I, I want as a parent, I want my kids to be enhanced versions of me and my wife. Mm -hmm. That's the way I look at it. I want them to be superhuman compared to me. And 
my kids make me so happy, but I do take their, their future seriously. And I know that the only way to ensure that their future is bright is to lead by example. Mm. And it, it's right by them because they watch right away. I mean, mm. as a kid, you, you're a neuron firing. And so you're this three month old kid and you see your parents smile and you just copy them, just like copy faces. Smile. Oh, they like it when I smile. I'm going to smile a lot more. Things are really new. But uh, eventually, the mirror neurons don't fire as much. And when you're 18, 25, after 25, do people change really that much? Not really. I, I don't know. I mean, you're, you're pretty set in stone with, with that, how you grew up. It, it's, it's gone. You grew up, you're 25. I mean, people can change certain aspects of their life. But, you know, obviously, you're... Your, your parents have such a massive impact on you. You know what I mean? Such a massive impact, how you grew up, the people that you surround yourself with, the friends you grew up with, your coaches and, and things like that. But I was, I was raised in a time that was different. You know, we didn't have Instagram. We didn't have social media. I mean, Instagram didn't come out until I was five years in the pro ball. Mm -hmm. you know, I, had, I had the original iPhone when I was in college. I had my first phone when I was six. <laughs> just to give people that are watching this right now, they're watching when I was 16 years old, I got my first phone because I got my license. Mm -hmm. And that was about when most people were getting their phones. So if you were in the third grade, parents were dishing them off because they just yeah. became so affordable. Yeah. There you go. Before then, I was paging people. Paging my dad. <laughs> paging my dad. Seven ones. Come get yeah. me. <laughs> uh, so that's gonna, that, that changes things a little bit because now it's really important what you allow your kids to have access to. You can't give them uh, complete access. I mean, you can, but you better be around them a lot because if they're exposed to some stuff and you're not there to help them interpret it, it could it could be traumatic, and they might not decipher things properly. But I, I just want to make sure that the filtration process for him, what goes through his eyes and his brain and how he digests it, is is proper and and healthy, and not all about himself. And to mm -hmm. care about others and himself at the same time. That's great. Uh, the question you asked is loaded, and it would take me twenty minutes to give a full answer because it's more of a thesis paper. It, it is. It is. Uh, I mean, it it could be summed up in a sentence. It could be summed up in a book. Um, but I mean, I thought a lot but, about though. I tend to get obsessed. Yeah. yeah. Um, so if you're ready, let's do. You want to do a couple rapid fire questions, um, and then basically I'll hand over the bike. Uh, we'll talk about, you know, whatever you want to do. Um, that sound good? Yeah. Um, what is, uh, we, we haven't dug super, super into your music, but what's, what's your favorite song or just genre of music or artists, you know, one of, one of the three and, and, and why? Uh, let's see. My favorite artist of yeah. all time. Yeah. That's hard. I, got, I like a lot of different genres and a lot of different things. Top um, three right now, and we won't hold you to them if, if we interview you again and interview you again. Um, let's skip this one. We can skip it. <laughs> we can skip it, and then um, I'm, what I'm, were you saying? Well, you were, sing There's nothing, you were singing. Nothing sticks out to me. Yeah. I'm going through a classical music phase right now. I put on Frank Sinatra for my family to listen to all morning a couple of days ago because I felt like it would be uplifting. Yeah. Well, maybe gonna, it's more – is it is it more I'm, of like a mood thing for you, whatever you're, you're feeling? 
listen to classical music. I know I'm not answering your question, your specific, yep. but like, music for me is important, and I think that it's one of the most important things when it comes to filmmaking. Audio, audio sound bites, dialogue, music choice, especially it evokes emotion. And uh, see, most of the music that I tend to listen to is moving. And sometimes mm -hmm. it can be quite somber, the stuff I listen to, and other times it could be uh, very uplifting. But it just depends on the, what I'm in the mood for. Yeah, and know what? That that answers my question perfectly. You know what I mean? You're not tied down to one thing, which I like. That. Um, what's something most people don't know about you? Uh, uh, thinking about thinking about retiring. I'm thinking about stopping playing the game. That's that's been a topic of discussion with all my loved ones and my right. agent, my trainers, and my friends. They're all trying to convince me to play. Yeah. What are, I mean, what are your thoughts on that, if you want to talk about it? Uh, uh, I've been playing ball for 12 years professionally. Mm -hmm. Baseball baseball's consuming. You hear people talk about how it's a grind all the time. And it certainly can be, if that's your perspective. You choose to look at it that way. But it, it, is, it is consuming, nonetheless, when it comes to your schedule. I don't know what team I would be on. I don't know how much I would get paid. I don't know where I would be to start the season. Where is spring training going to be? Florida, Arizona. There are a lot of uncertainties. And when you have a family, mm -hmm. two-year-old and one-and-a-half-year-old, stability is pretty important for them. Yeah. I, I part of me feels kind of bad. Stringing. I feel like I'm, I'm not stringing them along for the journey. And my wife is supportive. She mm -hmm. said she would go, but I just know how how hard it is. But, this, this, uh, the stuff that I'm pursuing right now in production is, is very important to me, and I take it very seriously. I have, I have clients where uh, I'm fully integrated, and I know the whole process, and everything that I make so far has just been, um, has been very genuine. Mm -hmm. I want to keep going because I think people like it. Yeah, Pe people like it. I mean, I'll be the, yeah. They like it. People like it. Everything I've heard, people like it. And then personally, I love it. So, I mean, I I can't wait to see, you know, what's next. And, and you know, you you needed to play for that long and have the experiences that you had to make such great content and to, to have that impact, right? There's no better person to do Journeyman series than you. It's 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 yours. Um, it's been a journey. It's been a journey, and it might not be over. It might not be. Right now, I'm, 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 I am taking this for I'm still training. I'm still getting ready for next season. So if a team uh, calls me and wants to make an offer, I'll be ready. But I, I am doing some other stuff on the side, and I usually am. I think most people know that. Yeah. About, yeah. There's there's a message. There's some. There's just. I just feel like there's opportunity in this, and I'm right now. I'm thinking about rolling with it. I'm thinking about doing it full time, and I really like the idea of doing it because I love it. I'm around all my friends, baseball players. Uh, people that trust me so i get crazy access like they let me do some crazy things when i'm there so you, you see things that you don't ordinarily get when a news team or production team goes like hey you're going to be following jack flaherty today this is going to be different the level of intimacy is is going to be different and that's that's what uh that's what people like you ever seen hot ones on youtube no i haven't what's that these 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 uh celebrities these hot wings Right, they, they eat really hot wing. Last one I saw was uh, Shia LaBeouf. And yeah. So he sits down. It's like a podcast setup. 
but the concept, they call it Hot Ones, great production, but they're sitting down and they just have an assortment of wings and they all increasingly get hotter. And so he'll ask a thought-provoking question. Like This dude's good. You could tell that he's done his research and he's asking questions that make him think where you're going to get a feel for them. It's authentic. Everybody's just themselves and they're answering questions that give you a little insight into their head, their mentality, their outlook on life. And that kind of stuff is powerful because you get to see it. Like nowadays, uh, with, with technology nowadays, everything is so accessible. I mean, the fact that I could do everything that I can, I mean, in this, in this space right here, this could be a video and music studio all in one with the equipment. Like this little thing that I plugged in my monitor right now is capable of doing so much. I mean, what the, the, the technology that is inside of my Apollo twin monitor used to be as big as my garage door. Yeah. And now I could cruise around, shoot things in 120 frames per second with audio and break mm -hmm. everything down any distance that I want. If I was if I was Fox or if I if I was some company that 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 needed really intimate content, who better to grab than than me, especially if it was for baseball right now. Yeah. I'm thinking about just publicly saying that I'm done to put it out there and to see where I land. Mm -hmm. And hopefully I'm in a situation where I could just keep doing what I'm doing, interviewing and covering the, the people that I love to be around. Something, it, could, it really serves as a contribution to baseball. I mean, when guys are done, they usually go through an identity crisis. Yep, yeah. I go through an identity crisis every season because <laughs> I, there's so much testosterone in a big league clubhouse. You're yeah. with 35 guys, they're all showering together, changing practicing eating like we're, we're all doing that we're hanging out competing against one another it's it's different it's a different thing to be around so when you go from that to all of a sudden being full-time domestic dad mm -hmm. it throws you a loop for a little bit so there's a, always a two to three week acclimation process for me where i feel like i'm at peace and mm -hmm. content because you know, i like doing things but now this excites me talking about this stuff and talking to players like i like working i like editing i, I I'm, just, I'm passionate about it and and, and the passion that i have for baseball and the passion that I had for baseball when I was coming up in high school, college, minor leagues is, 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 is coming out now and into this. Mm -hmm. All that, that big competitive monster in me just wants to keep going and keep going in the production of the world. So you talked about these disciplines, right? Yeah. Right? And now I'm taking all of these things that helped me do well in baseball and applying them towards baseball media. And, and my ultimate goal, my ultimate goal is just transcend the game into mm -hmm. something bigger so that everybody can feel like, man, I did not know that about the game. I did not know that. That is cool. Look at this guy. This is how he trains. I have a 360 camera that I just bought, and I'm going to put that thing in the middle of the gym. I'm going to set it next to Jack Flaherty, Chris Archer, and kids are going to be able to log in onto my site and to check out the YouTube channel. They put their little VR set on, and as they look around, they're going to see Jack Flaherty going like this right in their face. Can you yeah. imagine that? <laughs> Technology nowadays. Yeah, it's, it's insane. The 360 cameras are, are like nothing I've ever seen. I've seen a couple 3D videos, and they completely blew my mind, and it was it was not even close to being in like an Oculus or something like that yet. It was, it was, it was wild. <laughs> so anyone that can't see what Chase is doing... He's showing me his sweet 360 camera right now, and uh, it's it's GoPro 
it's sweet. Yeah, and I mean, just to play off the VR part, no one else is recording. Um, no one's recording in that medium. So in 10 years, when it starts to catch on as a trend, uh, you will be the only one that has that footage of players in this time period, which is important, you know, to, to document what's happened so people can learn from it in the future. Um, but I do got one more question for you, and then we'll open up the mic to you, whatever you want. Um, you know, if you had, if you could put anything on a billboard, right? And, you know, something non-commercial, um, just to get out to as many people in the world as, as, as you want, as, or as you could, um, what would you put on the billboard? Be yourself. Be yourself. Be yourself. Be yourself. Yeah. Uh, you're probably asking, you're like, okay, tell me why. Um, it's just, <laughs> it's a security thing. I mean, I, I feel bad for anybody that second guesses themselves a little too much. Mm -hmm. That kind of security can be freeing when you care. You, when you don't care a whole lot about what people think <clears throat> you want to be respectful. I think that you should take people's feelings into consideration, but some people care too much about what people think and it, it, it can hold them back a little bit, hold them back from making certain decisions, hold them back from, from going for it. Mm -hmm. Somebody told that. me, somebody told me, somebody told me that they didn't see it. Somebody, somebody close to me, I was telling somebody my plan for production and, and somebody didn't believe in me. That was close to me and we're not going to go in depth about it, but it really lit a fire up under me and pissed me off. Good thing that I'm 32 and that I have a grown ass man who can make decisions and can see when somebody's kind of a dream crusher. Yeah. I just thought, man, that is jacked up. Like, how could you say that? I'd say, like, man, nobody's going to do that. Nobody's going to pay you this amount of money. Nobody's going to pay you X amount of dollars to do what you're talking about right now. And the number wasn't outrageous. It was something very reasonable, especially in yeah. this industry. But the person didn't really know the industry that well, not in not in production world at all. But somebody, it was somebody that you that I just would not think would ever tell me something like that. Like a figure that's just usually encouraging, and and so then it had me thinking like, gosh, like it, it wasn't any, it wasn't my parents or anything like that. But there are parents out there that do tell their kids to to be realistic. Be yeah. real. You know, be, don't think that big. Like that's never going to happen. Like just mm -hmm. get a nice, respectful job. Play it safe. Mm -hmm. I don't play it sell you. I don't play it safe. I'm a risk taker. <laughs> get that. I was in a band while I was in the big leagues. Who does that? I'm not. I'm yeah. not trying to toot my own horn, but I'm just saying. I when it comes to being fearless, I think that I do a pretty damn good job of of being fearless. I'm I'm strategic. I'm going to do it right, just like we talked about earlier. And yeah. when I have my mind set on something, I do it. And I do it right. I mean, we didn't open up for Lady Annabellum and play the Bonnaroo Music Festival because we sucked. Yeah, dude, that's so cool. In, that's in so one cool. year. And yeah. I had my kid, and I said, you know what? I don't want to travel that much as a musician. It's too much. Yeah. I've already played baseball. <laughs> it's a lot. It's a lot. Like when I talk to people and even, even Lady Annabellum, I had so many questions for them after they performed and it was awesome being that close to them. They told me and I got it. I got to see it like on their buses and they took off and like, man, they're on that tour for how long? Yeah. It's far. It's long. It's, it's quite the journey in itself. And you could do that till you're 50. I don't want to have to tour till I'm 50. Yeah. To support my family. Like I've played major league baseball, but I don't have it like that to where I can just not work. Yeah. 
<laughs> have it like that. And that the path that I've had, the path that I've had has, uh, has strengthened me in where I am now. Like the fact that I had my struggles and that I know what it's like to be the guy and then get broken down and not be the guy and play for two games a week and just hoping to get more at bats and to do well and feeling what it's like when other people start treating you differently when you're not the guy, not getting the same attention as you did uh, the same you know, from coaches, for instance. Like when you're not a guy anymore, it's a different level of treatment. And mm -hmm. uh, a lot of people don't understand that, that, that haven't uh, experienced it. But to also have experienced all of the, sorry, on, on the flip side, I try not to have run on sentences. I'm trying. So on the flip side, <laughs> On the flip side, there are guys that have never failed, that just have just succeeded. You know, I know mm -hmm. what it feels like to succeed and do well. I've had my my like three or four walk-offs in the big leagues where I was on cloud nine. I was on cloud nine. It's like, yeah, like I did that, where you're at home and you see that hard work on the TV when it pops up on ESPN. It's like, oh, Darno with the walk-off with the Atlanta Braves. And oh, the next day he had a show. Like it's 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 weird, but I've experienced a whole lot of things in baseball, and because of that, I have this perspective uh, that could be used to romanticize the game for any player out there, whether somebody's in high school, college, major leagues. I, I just want to illuminate people's journeys and tell stories. And Dude, that's I love that's it. why I'm doing this stuff, and I, I want to do it. that full time. I want to do it full time. I'm sorry. I keep. I, you could tell I'm excited about it because I keep talking about it. I <laughs> Dude, just I can, left. I, I mean, that's why I just left there. I I love the energy and and the passion. I mean, it's just it. It's it's super contagious. You know what I mean? And just being 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 around you. I mean, I can't wait to be in the same room with you and have some fun and and just hang out and kind of and kind of shoot it. But uh, yeah, man, this is this is such a fun talk. Um, I think that's a great place to leave off. I definitely want to do. Uh, I want to do a round two. I want to get more into the journey, man. I want to get more into, um, you know, what's what might be next for you. I think that's that's that'd be so much fun. Um, but yeah, be yourself, uh, be fearless, and do it right. I mean, I think I, I think whether you're whether you're a player, a coach, you know, whether you play the harmonica for a living, I think there's something you could take away from, um, you know, your experiences, and uh, and I just want to say thank you for that thanks thanks for being on and thanks for sharing uh, with me it, it was really special trying to kick me off already yep <laughs> we can we can do this we can do this all night if you want to we can keep going <laughs> how long have we been doing this so far um i got an hour 20 i got an hour 20 Thank you for listening to Spotlight by Play Crane. And a World Series Game 7 winning Curly W is in the books. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Until next time, take care.